Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. But I'm going to preach this morning out of um, 1 Kings 17, going all the way to 2 Kings 1, 1 I guess. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about um, the faithfulness of God and the accusations of the enemy, sort of what happens with both. And we're going to talk a little bit about Elijah walking through that. So um, how many have experienced the goodness of God? Have experienced the goodness of God in your life? Amen. Yeah. So, and how many know that sometimes there's seasons where we feel the goodness of God? And there's other seasons where we know he's still good, but we don't feel good. Um, and so um, I was looking, um, as the ladies start their day, they start the day with saying what they're thankful for, and then we pray. But we've been going through this Lisa Tykerst devotional. She's amazing. Um, and in it, she mentioned a sto- uh, aspect of Elijah that I hadn't really thought of before. And that kind of sparked me into this direction. But she talked about how Elijah had some unmet expectations with the story of what happened um, at Mount Carmel. That his first expectation was that the Lord was going to light that um, sacrifice on fire. But the second expectation was that Jezebel and Baal, I'm sorry, Jezebel and um, Ahab would be afraid of him at that point. Um, would would fear him, would fear Elijah. And that's not quite what happened. Uh, Jezebel actually said she was going to kill him. So he, out of that unmet expectation, ran. And so the devotional was sort of on how we walk through those disappointments. And so I looked at Elijah a little deeper, and I was looking at some of the miracles and the promises and the faithfulness of God that he walked through. Um, So starting off, you know, for those that are familiar with the story, it begins with the Lord calling a drought, and he tells Elijah that there's this brook that he directs him to, and that he's going to feed him and give him water, and he's going to feed him through ravens, and he's going to give him water through this brook. That's a pretty big miracle, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't know how many in the room have been fed by birds, but I never have. And so, um, you know, that he had a bird assigned to feed him um, and uh, water for him to drink. And um, what a miracle to see God do in your life. And we may not have had birds drop food into our hands, but we can all speak to miraculous provision. And there's been many times in my life I look back and I see the hand of God and the provision of God. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that I didn't do that. And no man did that. No woman did that. That was strictly the Lord. And so Elijah can look on that and see that. And then when the brook ran dry, because like we said, there was a drought that was, ca- that was caused, um, he directs him to a widow, which I was saying in first service, like imagine that process in the Old Testament. Like nowadays, it's like you have your iPhone that you can put in your GPS and call someone. And like, you know, it's hard to imagine I was alive in a time where that didn't exist, but I, I did. Um, but even then you had maps and you had um, landlines and things of that nature. Like how did he find this widow? I don't know. But the Lord told him where to go. He finds this widow, and, he, and she's directed to provide him with food. That's a miracle. Back then, that's a miracle. Um, and if you're not sure if it's a miracle, think about if I took your phone and you had to go somewhere, what kind of miracle that is. People did that back in the day, but including Elijah. So that was another miracle. And then that that widow, when he arrived, said, you know, yeah, I'll make you bread, but I have just a little bit of flour and I have a little bit of water and a little bit of oil. 
And Elijah said, but if you make me bread, the Lord says that that will never run out. Like it will, it will keep going. And she's like, bet, you know, because we're in a drought. So you're promising me food and water, then we're going to make this happen. And it never did. And imagine that. Imagine just going and getting something from somewhere and it never goes away. It never gets smaller. It never depletes, diminishes. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so, like, imagine that's a miracle. That's another miracle right before his eyes where he's taking and taking from something, or she is, and it's not getting any smaller. And then there was this situation where the widow's son died, and she was pretty upset, as you can imagine. And the Lord resurrects that son and brings him back to life. He gets sick and he dies. And then she goes to Elijah and Elijah uh, with the Lord brings him back to life. And what a miracle. I mean, again, I don't know how many people have seen someone resurrected from the dead, but what a miracle for him to see. And see, I've recognized through years of serving the Lord that there is a purpose for that provision, faithfulness, and exemplifying that before us as humans. Because it does something to us when we see the hand of God on our lives, when we see his faithfulness. Because it builds within us a confidence and a rapport to him to know that he is good. Even when it doesn't feel good, even when it doesn't look good, that he is good. And those are mountain experiences. (laughs) Those experiences, those kinds of miracles are the highest of highs. They are the miraculous. They are God's hand and heaven being brought to earth. And, but the reality is that mountaintops aren't always our experience. There are also many valley experiences, and Elijah knew that right in the middle of even those mountaintops. When he um, was in that widow's house and that little boy died, when her son died, that widow turned to Elijah and said, what are you here for? To accuse me of my sins and kill my son? And here's the wild part of that. You know, I had to think about this for a minute. This is where the Lord told him to go. This is what the Lord told him to do. Poor Elijah, just trying to be obedient. And then over here being accused of murder, you know, as a prophet. You know, is this what you came for? And obviously she's a hurting mom. She's a scared mom. She's saying things out of pain. But isn't that ministry? when you are face-to-face with an accuser and you have to look beyond that accusation and see what's really accusing you. And you're in the middle of giving God your best yes and you're being told to your face that your yes isn't good enough and that this is not acceptable to whoever's in front of you. And still having to choose to trust the God you knew on the mountain even when you're faced with the valley even when you are face-to-face with someone that you have to remind yourself, this is not this person I'm looking at. This is not this widow who's in pain. This is the accuser of the brethren. This is someone who's trying to make me doubt my God. This is someone who's trying to make me believe that my circumstance and what I see speaks the words over my life more so than my Savior. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. And so... To have to choose that when you're in the midst of it is really hard. And I know you know that this morning because I know each one of us have been there. And then Obadiah, who's so excited to see Elijah when he finally returns from the widow, he tells him to go and tell Ahab that he's there. And Obadiah's like, literally looks at Elijah and says, 
what have I done wrong to you that you're handing me over to die? And like went from being like, oh, master, so good to see you to like, wait, you trying to get me killed? Why are you doing that? And another accusation. Elijah's just trying to do what the Lord has told him to do. He's just trying to be where the Lord has told him to be. And here comes, again, another accusation. And this time from someone that he likes him. <laughs> and is saying, you, you want me to die if you want me to do that. Because Ahab's going to kill me if I tell him you're here. And then in the meantime, you, you leave. And I bring him back here and you're not here. He's going to kill me. Well, when he does end up going before Ahab, Ahab, who, for a little backdrop, is the king who is leading all of the Israelites in their worship to Baal, and who's a little g-god, and he looks at Elijah, who's the only prophet that has stayed true to our God, God of Israel, and he says to him, oh, look who it is, the troubler of Israel. Ahab says that to Elijah. I mean, that was kind of encouraging. Was that encouraging to you? Does that feel encouraging to me? Because it's like sometimes the enemy will look you in the eye and call you who he is. And try to convince you of that because if he does convince you, all bets are off. Imagine if he got Elijah to turn. Imagine if he got Elijah to give up. And... Let me tell you, he, he didn't quit on that either. He, he continued to pursue and try. So he, actually, I think it's really cool because if you read through, Elijah looks back at him and says, I'm not the troubler of Israel. <laughs> and sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to look the lies right in the face and say, that's a lie. Seems pretty basic, but sometimes that's what it takes. Just saying, nope, actually, this is the truth, and that's a lie. So... That's a valley experience, though, to be where God wants you to be, to be doing what God wants you to do and feel the adversity of the enemy that hot is really painful. And it makes you start to question yourself and it makes you start to wonder. But at the end of the day, when you start to see that happen, understand that your identity, your confidence and your trust is now in yourself. Because if you're doubting, you're not doubting the God who raised someone from the dead, who provided food for you, who led you to the brook. You're doubting you and who you're believing somebody says that you are. When God doesn't say that about you. God didn't tell Elijah that he was the troubler of Israel. God didn't tell Elijah that he was going to kill someone. God didn't tell Elijah to go there and tell that lady about her sins. He told him to go there and eat. So it can be really hard when you feel like you're not working with all the pieces of the puzzle. But can I encourage you with that? I have learned that's the God we serve. And sometimes I think if we had all the pieces, we'd roll. We wouldn't do it. Because our humanity doesn't work the same way as his divinity. Thank God for that. And he shows off with a great rescue for Elijah, as many of you are probably familiar. The most famous story of Elijah is when he sets off for this um, show-off on Mount Carmel between Baal and God and says, you know, hey, everybody come to Mount Carmel, and I'm going to tell you that even when I sabotage this sacrifice with water, it's going to light up. 
And I was telling the first service, I was reading last night how it says that the prophets of Baal were like cutting themselves to try to get Baal to light this, you know, bull on fire. And I was just like, wow, imagine that you're in a place of your own stuff, your own strength, your own will, your own desire so much that you're destroying yourself. I mean, you're cutting yourself. And like, if you're cutting yourself to make something happen, it's not the Lord. Because if it's the Lord, you could douse it with water and it's still going to light up in flames. And if it's not the Lord, you could cut yourself up to pieces and it's still going to stay there unlit. And that's his power. He will be who he will always be. And see, going back to what Lisa Tykers had said about that experience for Elijah, how many in the room have experienced some unmet expectations? My mom used to say to me when I was a little girl, the root of disappointment is expectations. And to always keep your expectations realistic and in line with the Holy Spirit. We don't really do that well as humans. We put a lot of expectations on people. We put a lot of expectations on circumstances. And when they don't meet our expectations, we go into the valley of disappointment and despair so deep, it's almost hard for the Lord to find us. You know, make my bed in hell and you'll find me there. And he does faithfully. But it's so dark and it's so deep because our hope isn't where it should be. And our hope belongs alone in him because he's faithful. And even when we're not, and like Elijah, we run. And can I be honest with you? Up here, I've run. When things have gotten really hard in the valley, I didn't run with my feet, but I ran with my thoughts. And he's been faithful to find me in the wilderness. And something that stood out to me when I was reading this again was that all of the Israelites, when they saw the sacrifice light up, because of God, turned back to him. They said, you are God. We believe you. This, this, this is who you are. But in that, God went after Elijah. They turned back to him. Elijah ran away from him, and he went after Elijah. Not that he wasn't omnipresent and with the Israelites just as much, but you're getting my drift here. Like, he went after Elijah with a still, small voice, the Bible says not in the clamor of a storm, not in the lightning, not in the wind, but in a still small voice, knowing that this heart of this man that stuck and stayed with him through the hardest of times had a weak moment and ran. And he sent an angel to feed him. And he came to him and he said, why are you here? What are you doing? And Elijah returned to him but later, in the next story, in 1 Kings, you read that the Lord has to assure him again, do not be afraid. And, you know, that's so encouraging as a human when you read somebody and the Word of God. Sometimes, like, as a little girl growing up in the church, you're, like, seeing all these characterizations of Scripture, and you're like, are these people real? You know, like, and they are. And it's so encouraging because these are the things that point out their humanity. You know, like, these are the things that you're like, yeah, because that would be me too. Like, even after everything God did, I'd still need him to say, don't be afraid. I got this, you know? Even after he had forgiven me and been there for me and shown me not to fear, I would still need that reminder from him. And so 
Not that I'm encouraging you to doubt him, but if you find yourself in that space this morning, I pray that that encourages you, that he still sees you in that, and he's still there to remind you with a still small voice that there's nothing to fear, that he's good and he's there because he is who he'll always be. And so this morning, I hope that that word encourages you that the faithful God in the valley and on the mountaintop is never changing. And even when our circumstances are difficult or challenging or create or perpetuate doubt within us, that he sees us, understands, cares, and is present in that. He's not giving up, he's not taken back, and he's not surprised by those emotions and understands our humanity and meets us in those places quietly with love and grace and gentleness. And so I'm so thankful for that this morning. I hope you are as well. Um, So we just want to say thank you so much for having us this morning. Um, If you have any questions about the Hoving Home, ways to partner, um, there is many opportunities to connect with us in the back. We have a board of opportunities. We also have volunteer opportunities. Um, I do want to share a small, exciting announcement. Um, So we announced when we were here last year in fall of 2021 that we were looking to be in Massachusetts by fall of 2022. And it's looking like, pray with us, hopefully the beginning of next year. So we are looking to be in Fall River, Massachusetts. And um, so we are... um, still in um, negotiations and conversations, but we invite you, church, um, to be in prayer with us. This body will be a massive part of that. Um, We know, we know that God has connected our hearts with HPC. Um, The very first mother that we ever received in Hoving Home Lioness and the Lamb in the fall of 2018, before we ever even opened our doors, was a mom from Fall River um, who called me and said, If you can't take me, I'm not keeping this baby. But if you can take me, then I'll come. And she came, and she had her little girl, and she had left two little boys behind in Fall River. And this morning, I'm excited to tell you that four months ago, those little boys joined her. She's got full custody of all three of her children. And she's here with us this morning, if you want to meet her. She's great, Christina. Um, And she works for the home, um, and she is a blessing and a joy. And she worked very hard and trusted the Lord through a lot of valleys for that answer to prayer and cried many nights um, trusting that God would give her those boys. Um, And he did. And um, so we're just so thankful this morning um, for an opportunity to Um, see the hand of God be fulfilling promises in the lives of the families and Hoving Home Lioness and the Lamb and for how each one of you partner in that process. Um, This is your fruit, church. And I want to personally say thank you so much for how you make it happen and how you participate in that. Um, And I hope that you'll come back and touch base with us because we would love to connect and um, hopefully be super close super soon so we can connect even more so good so good so good thank you guys so much for sharing this morning man i get wrecked every time i i hear these stories um if you have a wallet or a purse this morning go back there and just dump it on the table 
and just support these guys. Support this ministry. Just just give because the fruit that's coming out of this ministry is incredible. And um, we're just so blessed to be a part of it, guys. We thank you for being here and just being vulnerable and real this morning. It's so good. Um, and and I just want to throw it out there. If there's if there's somebody in here that's that's struggling with addiction or challenged with it, if there's somebody you know, somebody close to you or, or, or that you love that's going through some form of addiction whatsoever, I want you to come down right after we release. Just come get prayer. I'm going to have some of these girls hang back and, and pray with you. Um, and go check out the table. There's a, there's a need board, and there's a ton of like little stuff on there that if you want to sow into this ministry and give, you can pull a sticky note off, and there's things to give. Um, there's ways to give. Um, they also need big stuff like a van. Uh, I just found out that they need a van, like a 12-passenger van, to open the home in Fall River for transportation. So there's a lot of needs, a lot of opportunity to sow into it. And so be excited. And um, anything else we're missing? No? Awesome. Um, let's stretch our hands out to these guys this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for what you're doing, God. We thank you for the redemption. blessing over these ladies, their kids, their families, the staff, Chelsea, and the workers that are just out there serving and giving. And we just pray right now that you move our hearts, God, to give and to partner with them in any way that you have for us, Lord. I thank you that you're inviting us all in to be a part of something great, God. And so if the Lord's like putting it on your heart to go out there and serve for a weekend, we need, you know, they need work teams to go out. We've done weekends where we just sew in and just paint and put in doors and windows and small construction stuff. Um, we've had women's teams go out and just minister and love on these ladies as they're going through challenging times. And so if the Lord's moving your heart, there's, there's a million ways to be involved. So, so Lord, we just thank you so much for what you're doing. And, and we say yes, God, we say yes. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys, God bless you, and have the best day of your life.